It's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Nope, nope, nope. Stop, 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 stop. Wait, loud? Okay, so, but this needs to be our priority. Now, I realize that you're all way ahead of me in this time travel business, but guys, I think I just discovered something. So if, if, if Nora can time travel, that means she can create new timelines, right? New timelines means that parallel timelines can exist. So guys, I think that a whole other universe could exist. I know, I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but think about it. There could be an Earth where we're all bad guys, or another Earth where there's no world hunger, or or another Earth where, where they never made that last Indiana Jones movie. Think of the possibilities. It's like some kind of a many-verse. And everybody knows about the many-verse. Multiverse. And so do you, Ralph. Preacher, Gypsy, Harry. What did you think we meant when we said Harry was from Earth 2? That he is from Earth also. <sighs> you guys really need to make like a welcome pamphlet or at least a PowerPoint or something. Welcome, Primers, into this episode 118 of the DC Primetime Podcast, and we are off and running, which I'm very excited about. But first things first, introductions from the the spotlight. I still got to get used to that. The spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. Uh, yeah, and like I said, man, the, the, we are uh, we're off and running. This is the fall season, and we got two shows to talk about. And yeah, yeah, I mean, and one of these shows is just again preview. We'll we'll we'll, we'll stress that again. Uh, expect the Titans minute definitely going forward because oh crap, I'm uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to a lot to unpack on this one. But yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting into that in a little bit, but for, yeah, for sure. Uh, but first things first, before we get into any of that, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> it is Rob's birthday today, Thank at least you. on the day we're recording. By the time you're yes, listening to this, yeah. it will have passed. But uh, yes, 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 still. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Thank you. No problem. Uh, Actually, you know what? Before we actually really get into the thick of things, I would like to move this to the front of the show for this week because holy crap, we are less than three weeks away from the big game day of Extra Life. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I figured this is a good place to remind everybody because we should have a lot of people tuning in to, to this episode specifically as we get ready to start reviewing shows like normal. But uh, a big reminder for everybody on November 2nd. Uh, ben, myself, and 14 other individuals will be gathering in my home. We will be playing board games and video games and 
all this fun, crazy stuff. We're doing a murder mystery. Uh, I can't wait for that. This. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, but we are doing this to support Children's Miracle Network hospitals. And very specifically for us is uh, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, so basically what you can do to help us out. And there's some really cool things you can get for doing this. But if you can head over to extra, E-X-T-R-A dash life, L-I-F-E dot org. And then you're going to see a little blue bar on the top upper right-hand side of that page. If you search the name Ben, B-E-N, space Beck, B-E-C-K. That's me. Uh, that's Ben. <laughs> um, uh, but if you do us a favor, if you go onto that page uh, and go ahead and donate, even if it's a dollar, uh, it would mean a ton to us. Uh, every cent that goes to this charity uh, goes directly to the hospital. Nobody takes anything off the top. Uh, but one of the other things you get for every ten dollars, uh, basically, and then we've got a little breakdown on our Facebook page. But for every ten bucks, you get in a entry into a raffle, and we've got some really awesome DC stuff to give away. Uh, and what I mean, awesome, uh, we have the uh, Arkham Origins Joker statue. That is the Joker black mask statue with the LED TVs lit up behind it, and this sucker is big, uh, and it's really, really pretty. I know I have one myself. Uh, it's a really stunning showpiece. In addition to that, we have the Batman Arkham City vinyl statue of the black and white Batman signed by Kevin Conroy that Ben actually had signed for Extra Life alone. Yep. Uh, that is really, really stunning. We're also giving away a one-year subscription to DC Universe, which is really important based on the conversation we're going to have today. Uh, we're going to have some DC, uh, you know, a DC primetime swag we're going to give away. I think we're getting some art from our good friend Brian C. Roll. If you guys have seen some stuff from us last year, we gave away a really stunning Green Arrow one, uh, a Malcolm Merlin one. We had a Firestorm one. And we had a lot of that stuff signed by the actors, too. So never know. Some of that stuff could end up getting signed, too, for you guys. So yeah. uh, some really worthwhile things to do to get added in. But in that donation, uh, you can have a spot to leave a message. Uh, and it, all you need to say is primers, P-R-I-M-E-R-S. And even if you misspell it, we know what you're saying. Uh, so it's OK. You know what? Um, I, I want to sweeten the pot. OK. I just This up. thought just came to my head. I want to sweeten the pot. I also want to throw in an extra prize here to give some people some more initiative. I want to throw into the raffle not just an opportunity to win those statues, not just an opportunity to win some art, not just an opportunity to um, to get a DC Universe subscription. I want to sweeten the pot by throwing in an opportunity to join us on the podcast for an episode. Yeah, that that's I'm right there with you. Okay, um, and it'll be a topic of your choosing as well. Or if there's a particular episode of one of the shows that you want to talk about. Absolutely. If there if there's a specific one, if you want to be there for the mid-season finale, if you want to be there for, for, that, for the finale, whatever you may want. Maybe you want to join us to talk about the crossover. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything you want. Uh, but let's, let's, let's make that one a very special one. So, um, like I said, so make sure that uh, you, you definitely write in, in your uh, message to instead of just primers. Uh, to make sure you state put podcast in that one instead of just primers. That way we know because not everybody may want to be entered into that one. So make sure if you do want to be in for that one, just write podcast. Uh, if you just want to be entered for the normal raffle, just make sure you uh, you post in for primers. But again, if you want to do the podcast, the one that will be the podcast one will enter you in, but it'll also make you eligible for the other prizes. For some of the other prizes as well, yeah. Yeah, and, and you, you'll still have uh, an option to be in there for the mix. So, um, 
and again, uh, you know, the there's the full breakdown on how much you can get. Uh, I think for I think two hundred dollars is our maximum that you can uh, you can get, and it gives you a hundred tickets if you uh, donate two hundred dollars. You have a hundred tickets, so we give you give you a nice uh, little uh, little jump start to uh, to to kick some butt yeah. and try to get your uh, your foot in the door and get some really cool stuff. Uh, you are eligible for multiple prizes. If you get pulled, we will do it fully at random. Um, so, like I said, this is a great opportunity to get some cool stuff. We're heading into wintertime. Uh, and man, oh man, uh, I, I haven't bought one for myself yet, but uh, our, our special logo hoodie, that is the crossover hoodie, yeah. <laughs> um, is is a really stunning, stunning image. Uh, we have a couple friends out there in the primetime family that uh, have shirts with that logo. I know Jackson Howard, uh, our good friend Shad Welsh, and uh, Next Level host uh, Paul Williams all have those shirts. And uh, seeing them on those people every once in a while always makes me smile. Yeah. I love that design so much. And, so, And I think we're going to be working on a second logo. Not I, not quite now, but I think a little bit later down the road with some the of summer. the yeah. – I'm going to make a summertime logo as well that's going to try to incorporate uh, the the, a couple things. It's going to be – titans doom patrol things like that and i have an idea already from what the look is going to be it's a little harder to do it so it's going to be kind of a blend of their text and how it looks i was thinking about doing the titans font that they have that spray paint with where over top of where the bottom of the patrol is and our little dc logo being held up by swamp thing's hand is what i'm thinking of that's awesome so uh and that'll be our summertime logo so you'll have two choices so yeah i'll throw um, a little neon in there to to mix in some harley quinn i think but uh, if you need a full breakdown of like what you can, how you can win, and what you can win, you know, donating, like how many get tickets you get for donating everything, simply go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. It is a pinned post. It is right there at the top. All the details on how you enter, what you get for entering, and such, everything is right there. And if you have any additional questions, you can always message us through the Facebook page as well. So, absolutely. Uh, also, I'll make a quick note of this too. Starting next week, we'll have the info for you next week. But um, this week, we're going to be joining a, a bigger social media presence in which we will have both an Instagram and a Twitter account uh, for DC Primetime in which we'll be doing some cool stuff on there too. We will be having opportunities where you can live tweet with us as we're watching some of the shows, which we're not going to do every week, but we'll do every once in a while. And... You know, a lot of the news stories that we have that we post on the Facebook page for those of you that aren't necessarily or might not be on the world of Facebook, because we know not everybody's on Facebook. Uh, this is a good opportunity for you to have other ways to follow us. And mm -hmm. yep, so I'll be working on that this week. We'll have more information for you on that week uh, for that as well. Uh, but I know also the other thing that I talked about last week that has already happened is we're on Spotify now. And we're already getting some attention on Spotify, which is really, really good. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, like I that. said, lots of big changes as we kick off this new season. So uh, and a lot of cool things. So, again, uh, remember all the new social media stuff, Extra Life. And I think without that, uh, without further ado, I think it's time to talk some Titans. Yeah, let's talk Titans. Um, so for those of you that are new to the podcast or it's been a while since you've heard us go through these systems, what we're going to do is basically we will give our scale of the episode being sidekick, hero, or legend. And the way that usually falls is it's a 1 to 10 scale, but, you know, 1 through 3 being sidekick, 4 through 7 being hero, and 8 through 10 being legend. We don't give it, we don't give it a number. We just simply give it a sidekick hero or legend. And then we will talk about the show. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so starting off first with Legends, we have the premiere episode, which just debuted this past Friday on DC. Uh, Titans, not Legends. <laughs> oh, sorry. Damn it. I'm already screwing up. And uh, sorry. We're going to do it a lot this season. Just wait. Yep. <laughs> so. it's, the first ep- it's the first episode of the fall season. It's uh, it's all right. Uh, but yeah, the first episode of Titans premiere episode, series premiere episode, which just debuted on DC Universe Online this past Friday. Uh, season one, episode one, simply called Titans. Uh, Dick Grayson has found a new home in Detroit when a girl named Rachel is brought to him with serious problems. A young woman named Corey Ander wakes up with no memory of who she is. Uh, so yeah, let's start with our rating scale. And, you know, like we mentioned, sidekick hero or legend, Rob, what do you give this premiere episode of Titans? I am so happy to say I told you so, I told you so, I told you so to so many people that had some serious issues. Now, again, the show is not without its problems. So I had to really dig deep to think about where I was going to fall on this. For episode one, it is getting a high hero for me. Um, I think it's really, really super close to getting that uh, that legend. But I think some pacing issues did uh, keep it from uh, achieving that on episode one. I did hear in the grapevine that the first couple episodes uh, out of everything that's been seen by the press, episode one was indeed the slowest. And I heard everything else gets dramatically better even post episode one. So, yeah, I'm right there with you, too. I I watched it last night, so it's still fresh in my mind. And. Uh, I'm, and, and when I say like I watched it last night, like I watched it less than 12 hours ago. Um, so it, it, but it's getting a high hero for me as well. There were, I'm very intrigued to see where they're going to go with a number of different things that they've already begun to set up. But from what I've seen, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm extremely interested. Oh, I'm sold. I, I'm absolutely sold on the show. Um, I, I, It's not a show that I'm like, hey, I'm dropping or anything like that. Or even after three episodes, the first episode did enough for me to say I'm in for this ride. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you, too. And I think we're I think the it's 14 episodes for the season, I believe. And they're going to be released weekly on DC Universe. So, you know, we're not going to be talking about the remainder of the episodes until probably closer to, uh, you know, the holiday season when the other shows, if even past that, but we'll yeah, still, it's, uh, it's, it's Christmas break. We will be, we will be breaking the show down over the course of a couple weeks. Like, yeah. uh, so we'll do, we'll re review episodes one, probably like in chunks, like one through three, four through, you know, four through six, so on and so forth yeah. as during the Christmas break time. So, um, it'll be very easy for us to do and start. And by the time that's wrapped up, if the show's not wrapped by the start, it definitely will be by the end oh, of yeah. our, our reviewing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but let's break down the episode a little bit. Um, uh, well, do we want to review Flash and then go back like we normally do? Or I, I think we – oh, you mean give Flash like, our rating? Yeah, like usual. And then just after we're done talking about Titans, we'll jump into Flash. Yeah, we can do that. Um, okay. So, okay. It's so, kind of our normal – it's our, kind of our normal go, like way way of doing things, so I wasn't sure if you want to mix it up. Well, I, so. I, I was figuring since – this was since we were only including Titans in this one, we were just going to keep it separate from oh, our regular, yeah, sure. our regular might, breakdown. Might well. sure. um, because next week we'll start going into the regular format since we'll also have Supergirl to talk about with the Flash. So um, anticipation. So now you get to now you get to wait to find out what we think about the Flash. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about we'll Flash. dangle that thread through through the next. Oh, and I have like, a oh, lot to no. say about the Flash, man. I it, do too. <laughs> I, I have a ton to say about and Flash, it's, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Uh, no, are you short? It's getting. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible in about fifteen minutes. Yeah, no. uh, uh, but yeah. So let's let's break down the Titans. 
Titans a little bit and talk about it. We obviously we have not gotten the introduction of all the characters yet, which is fine. I think if we would have gone that route and we would have gotten an introduction to all of these characters that we know are coming into it in this premiere episode, it, it would have been overstuffed. And it yeah, well, I mean, we definitely got a te- we got a te- we we got to see everybody, but the last character into the mix was a was a very very small tease. Well, I don't even very- think we saw everybody. We didn't see Hawk and Dove, which we're well, not they're not really part all. of the team. So. Okay. It's, fo- it's focusing on the four. Uh, so Dick Grayson, uh, Raven, uh, Starfire, and Beast Boy. So, and we, can, see, so I, we see the core. Yeah. So. And and I, I know this is jumping right to the end, but dude, I had such a big smile on my face when we saw Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, well, I love why it. Don't we, why don't we get Beast Boy out of the way first? Because actually he, he he's a very has, small part. He has maybe a minute of screen time in this episode. Uh, but uh, the setup for him, uh, which I believe he is in Ohio. So one of the big key things about this, yeah, episode I think Canton, is, Ohio, is yeah, where he was. I, everybody is separated uh, at the start. The only two characters that come together and meet up by the end of this episode is Rachel and Dick, and that's it. Yeah, uh, we have Corey is in Austria, uh, and then again we have Garfield in um, in Ohio at this time. So when we do get to meet uh, Garfield, though, which is fantastic, is we're inside. It looks like an apartment store. And uh, there's a security guard uh, noticing there is it looks like a break in and there yeah. are video game boxes scattered everywhere. And he turns the corner uh, to see a giant green tiger uh, chewing on game boxes. Uh, and then he quickly darts out of the store as it freaks out the security guard. And then we see this tiger transform in the woods to a very traditional looking <laughs> Garfield Logan and. Still holding the video game boxes, and I love <laughs> yeah. the fact that he's breaking into stores to st- steal video games as giant green beasts. And uh, it looked really good. Yeah. I was really very pleasantly surprised with how how good the, even the transformation looked. Uh, the animal looked the animal itself looked decent. It didn't look horrendously CG'd. It looked like they put some money into it. Uh, very, very surprised and, and, and shocked on uh, how good they got Beast Boy. So. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked, too. My only concern with it, though, is the transformation was very slow. Um, and I'm really hoping I'm really hoping that as the show progresses, they they learn to quicken that a little bit because I think we will. Because there's absolutely because obviously as they as the show progresses and he gets into situations once he becomes a member of the Titans, there's going to be situations where he's going to have to transform transform like on a on in a second. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I, I understand why they did it as slow as they did right now because they want to show the emphasis of that this is who this character is, this is what he can do. They didn't want to make it so like he was he's a tiger and as he walks past a tree, as he's coming out from behind the other side of the tree, he's a human being again. Yeah. Uh, that makes it too quick. Uh, I, I understand why they did it this way because it shows the emphasis again on, on his abilities. But I really hope that as the show progresses, they can really, and as you mentioned, the CGI of the transformation looked fantastic. So I really hope as the show progresses, they kind of streamline that a little bit, but, and quicken it. But as they quicken it, we're not losing any quality of the transformation. Yeah. And I, I think we're, we're going to see, uh, maybe even some quick cutaways to speed things up a little bit. Uh, but it, it worked well. I, I think it worked very well here. And I'm very happy to see that he definitely feels like the Beast Boy I'm going to expect from him. He seems like he's going to be a big character of levity like he normally is in the comics, which is awesome. Uh, and I'm very curious because if they're going to bring up his Doom Patrol roots, my guess is that's going to be the case. Well, I so, think uh, one of the episodes is called Doom Patrol. 
It is, because we are going to see an alternate version of the Doom Patrol. Uh, and by alternate, I mean it's just different actors portraying them than the ones we know we're going to see in the show. Yeah. Uh, again, because of casting changes happen time to time when you have a backdoor pilot. So it's uh, a very key component. So I'm sure we're definitely going to see some Beast Boy history with the Doom Patrol later in the season when I think that episode's meant to happen. I want to say might be around episode 9 or 10. Um, so we'll uh, we'll find out soon on that. So, But uh, really, again, nicely done on the Beast Boys. So it's actually, episode, episode 5. Episode, oh, wow. It's yeah. early on then. So, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we rewind and uh, go to the beginning? So, And I'll let you kick things off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the first characters that we meet actually is Rachel. Uh, and we see her in the... It, what looks like the old circus where the Graysons used to be. And there's obviously yeah. some sort of classic Haley circus. Yeah. Yep. And there's obviously some sort of, some sort of connection between Rachel and Dick that is drawing her to, uh, to Dick. It leads her to, leads her to Detroit to meeting Dick Grayson, uh, who is now a police officer in Detroit. And I, I was a little, I didn't know what to think of Brenton Thwaites as Dick Grayson, AKA Robin, when he was first cast, but after watching the episode, dude, I was totally fine with it. Like I, he, I think he fits that casting rather well. Yeah, and one of the things I was very pleased with too, um, right off the bat, uh, and we can we can talk because these two characters spend the most time together and have the most involved moments in this in this episode is uh, very clearly Rachel. The casting for Rachel. Uh, was perfect yeah she she plays raven incredibly well and a really great job even early on uh like i said with that dream sequence um and then doing this kind of interesting twisted cutaway with with her mother uh you're, you're seeing kind of what feels like a carry vibe almost like the mom is the super religious type uh she you know rachel's like terrified of everything and it has to be locked in her room uh that's covered in crosses on the outside but uh a lot of beautiful touches, though, too, even with her costuming that they start her, start her out with. They have the hoodie that comes to the point in the front, very similar to her classic keeping cowl that she wears. Yeah. Uh, her necklace has the, the, the gem that she normally wears. Her backpack, <laughs> when we see her go into school, has the Anko in the back. All these little things work so well. And the, what's interesting about the show is the color palette that they're shooting in. It's very, very different. It's a very dark visual look. But the colors that they have pop out so interesting and fun ways. Like when you see Beast Boy, that green kind of radiates. When you see Corey's hair, that radiates. Same with that purple of her dress, the blue in Raven's hair, the red on Robin's suit. All those things really jump out and they look like oversaturized. And they, I really like the look of the show. It's a little dark in spots, uh, but when there's color there, you can really see that color and it really jumps out in a very fun comic book style kind of way. When you see those night sequences and people moving in the shadows, and you just see that little detail of color here and there. And it very much has that feel. And I think it's a kind of a cool design because I've never seen anything quite like it. And I think Cor Corey's the character that I think we see that the most with like the purple in her dress and her, the color of her hair jumps off of the screen in such a big way. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a stylized decision where, you know, the, this is a dark world that these characters are living in. But the way that it's shot, and as you mentioned, with the colors really popping when you see the red in Robin's suit or, you know, the orange in Corey's hair or, you know, every, or the blue with Raven. It's one of those things that, like, again, it's it's a darker world, like when we see the fight in the alley and everything. But when you see these colors pop on these uniforms, it's almost as if, 
you know, from a cinematography point of view, it's saying that these characters are the light in a darker world. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you're right. It's a great stylistic decision that these guys have went more, went with. And I'm, I'm loving that too. I think it's, I think it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like I said, I will say, I think it's Tegan Croft, uh, is the actress that plays, uh, Raven. Am Tegan, I correct? Tegan Croft. And not only is she a younger actress, but she's a new actress. Yeah, she has this her, this her, is her third her role. Big, yeah. It's one of her, it's her first real it, big it's thing. It's her first big one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things I really will say is I think she handled uh, this character in a very strong way. Uh, very, uh, very interesting start to her, her arc. I think we got in the very start of this. Um, and that kind of sends us right over to de- going over into Detroit. And then we meet Dick Grayson for the first time. And you get a very interesting version of Dick Grayson. And I really kind of like that they there's something stated because at first I would say about maybe halfway through the episode, I was not sure of my thought on him. Uh, and then there's a line near the end of the first episode when he's talking to uh, another detective uh, it, it, that he's working with that you understand his mission and what he's doing. And you can see that he's trying to break out of old habits. Uh, we have our first big, big fight in this show. And uh, it's the alleyway fight. Yeah. And it's the infamous alleyway fight that was in the first trailer that had people pissed. And one of the <laughs> first things that I said as long and you back me up on this was do not take this at face value. No, I do it's not think Robin. I don't think Robin is killing a single person here. And what happens? We he does not. Big, <laughs> he does not kill a single person. Meme? Absolutely. Sorry for my language. Because uh, holy crap, <laughs> there's definitely one spot. And you're like, damn. Um, it's a brutal fight. There's no denying that. I mean, he's rubbing one dude's face on broken glass. But yeah, he's not. There's no death. There's no no. no there's death in the episode. There's no death in that fight. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that, that starts off. We, we see him use the grappling hook and slam a person into a car hood. Uh, we see I love the fact that his R logo on his chest is shurikens, essentially like that. Like we see him like later cleaning his suit and sliding them back into place, which like, I want to make. I, I I wanted to bring up, too, because that's something that you you've never seen before, like the whole putting the costume back together before you go back out. Like we've seen Batman throw batarangs and, and get stuck in walls or stuck in people, whatever it is. But you never see Batman go home and clean them off to put them back into suit okay. to reuse them again. That's something that we've never seen before. I, I don't but, think I've ever seen that on screen in my entire no. life. But I loved watching him sitting there and like washing the blood off of stuff and cleaning his suit down and, just that that little that little quiet moment, but like to get back to that fight, I mean, it, there was a definite brutality to it. But I loved when we go through as he's dismantling that group of people because even at the beginning of that fight, we see him before he even dons that suit. Uh, he's like, "Hey, leave the drugs. I'm just here for this guy. Get out of here." Yep. Like gave everybody a chance. And but what I thought was really interesting though too is that moment of brutality where you see, again. We'll, we'll get to that moment in the fight, but you know, he's very systematically taking people down. People have guns in their hands and he forcibly has somebody empty their chamber as he's he's kind of taking them out of the equation in the fight. It You know, th- there's a couple moments where people are shooting and it looks like 
some one of the other thugs is caught in the crossfire, but you never see him put anybody's life fully at risk. As far as with the exception of I'm sure there's a couple of people that have some pretty severe concussions by the end of that fight. Like, <laughs> yeah. You see a couple of trash cans thrown. Um, you, you definitely see, you know, the, that grappling hook. You see a knife broken off into somebody's thigh. I mean, there's definitely some some of those thugs get get shot in the uh, in the in the arms and such. But again, not by not by Dick. Um, but last but not least, that final big big man that he's after, like we see in the very beginning as he's studying those photos, the girl that he hurts has scars across her face. And I loved the symmetry. So he breaks the window, pulls him out and rubs his face right across the broken glass and the windshield uh, in a very vicious, vicious way. Yeah. But matching the scarring he leaves on the little girl. And, and I, I doesn't he also doesn't he also doesn't he also say that that's his daughter? I, I think he uh, I, says, if you yeah. harm your daughter again, I'll be back for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't mistaken in, in what I heard. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then also in regards to that fight scene too, we got the infamous line from the trailer that I know a lot of people had problems with, which was the fuck Batman. Um, but the trailer kind of puts that line into a better context. Um, you know, in that we see like these guys are. You know, I think the impression that a lot of people had when they initially heard him say that in the trailer was like, this is a guy that was uh, like against Batman and, and the way he was and everything, even though Dick at one point even says when he's talking to his partner at Detroit police, at the police department, that he looks up to Batman and he just didn't want to become who he was. And he's, he's said, he's talking about his partner. But he's not mentioning that. Making it, it sound Batman, like obviously. it's Gotham, his partner from GCPD. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and basically kind of like, yeah, he's like, this is somebody that had a mission, and he, but he did it with his fists, and I really believed in him, but I realized I was becoming way too much like him. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment that peeled back, and I'm like, oh, we are going to get, like, Dick Grayson. Like, we, we are getting the one that trans- transforms to Nightwing. Yeah. And I have a feeling we're definitely going to see that story. That That moment and that line peeled back saying, we're going to get Nightwing by the end of this season. I'm yeah. fairly I, I I would like to put not money on it, but I, I'm fairly certain uh, that's exactly where we're ending this season is his transformation to Nightwing. This is becoming his own hero um, and, and we're just going to be moving forward from there. But you could definitely see that that fight and how brutal he was in that opening fight. When he makes that line later on, he's like, I was becoming something I don't want to become, which is that brutal, vicious kind of character like Batman can be. And that fight was proof positive of this. So I think you're going to see less of that kind of maiming uh, from him by season's end. But I I mean, but that was, yeah. But going back to that whole, the point I was trying to make with the whole fuck Batman line in that it kind of put it into a better context in that where when we initially heard it in the trailer, we thought it was a negative against Batman. It was more along the lines of when you see the fight scene this time around that, you know, when he pops down, the first thing these guys do is look up to the sky for Batman because they're assuming Batman is going to be there with him. And then he goes through the whole fight scene. He takes care of the whole thing by himself. And that's when he says the line. And it's not a, a negative against Batman as it, people had first, you know, assumed when they saw the trailer. This time around, after you see the fight scene and you hear the line in context, it's more of, uh, you know, like, I can do this on my own. I don't need him. 
Yeah. I mean, you definitely know there's problems between him and Bruce by by the, oh, this yeah. episode alone. I mean, like, there's no lie about it. You can definitely tell you have a very angry Dick Grayson uh, over the way that his relationship with Bruce is at. Um, from what I understand, we'll be seeing a lot of the backstory of that in uh, episode two and three, where they'll start peeling back the layers where you you see Alfred and, and Bruce kind of loom over in the kind of the shadows when they, we, we peel back a little bit more info on where Dick is at at this point in time. Has, so, there, has there been any casting for Bruce or Alfred? Uh, well, we know there's a lot of silhouette shots uh, okay. of the, the two. Um, I that's remember there was the shots of that bat suit that everybody was like, oh, that looks really cheesy and horrendous. Again, because I think that's meant to be a silhouette suit that yeah. you're going to see in the background at some point. And we kind of got a little bit of that this time around, too, with um, when we see the flashbacks of the aftermath of the Dick Grayson of the Flying Grayson's incident is there is a voice in the background with young Dick, you know, saying, you know, everything will be OK. And I, th- I think we're meant to assume that that's Bruce. I think so. OK. I mean, again, too, there there's casting for characters. We don't know who they are. We, we've already know we know that we're going to see Superboy. We know we're, like Connor Kent, Superboy, uh, Donna Troy. We don't know the actors portraying them at all. So they're doing a good job of keeping things hush hush. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing um, if they're going to give us a little bit of a surprise by the end of this. Yeah. And it's very possible that they could. Um, there was another quick moment from that fight that I have to bring up because I thought it was amazing. It was watching the both staff extend out and yeah. two people out, like hitting them right in the sternum. That was just it was just a cool uh, cool little shot. So the choreography cool. for that site for that fight scene too, I think, was pretty fantastic. I mean, it's, yeah, very well it, done. The smoke bombs, everything. It, it it felt like a Batman and Robin uh fight that you would expect. It, it was there was a brutality to it in the way that like everybody still talks about Batman versus Superman. That Batman fight in the warehouse had the same feel to that. It was really great to see, and it was well well executed. Yeah, I, I, one of the other things I want to say about uh, about Dick Grayson too, before we move on to to Starfire and uh, and talk about Rachel a little bit more, is the fact that I, I love what they've done with the character. And correct me if I'm wrong. This might be something they've done in the comic books. Uh, I'm not sure, but with him being a detective in in Detroit, I like the fact that he is more somebody who wants to deal with with kids and I, I love the fact that that kind of reflects on his past at the same at the same mm-hmm. time because yeah. you know this is somebody who had a rough childhood somebody came into to his life and made his life better because of it and took care of him so he's kind of reciprocating that now he's older and this is his opportunity to help somebody else but he's doing it in a different way he's not bringing them on as a superhero partner per se as as batman did to him He's finding another means to do that, and he's doing it through the police department. Yeah, and I think you're going to see him struggle uh, with the idea of bringing, you know, Rachel into that world. And uh, I think he's going to have a serious concern about doing that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see that kind of unfold. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what his arc is going to be. But I mean, that kind of covers him pretty heavily, yeah. uh, you know, and his involvement. You know, we obviously see him later in the episode going to save Rachel. And taking uh, taking her to a kind of a safe haven by the end of the episode. Uh, but before we can get into any more of that, we have to really talk about Raven's storyline throughout this episode. Yeah, um, which I found yeah, very I, I found very yeah. interesting because they obviously the the character of Raven is you know half half demon, and they kind of hint at that a little bit. You know, as you mentioned with the crosses on the door, and there obviously being something more to her, the Ankh on the backpack, and and such. So. 
I'm really hoping there's not too much of a change of her backstory, and that is the route that they're going to go with it. But it does look like that's the way they're going. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you, you see, uh, there, there is a guy that we see early on that looks like he's probably a part of a cult of some sort, uh, and has a lot of involvement and a lot of reach elsewhere. Uh, and it looks like people that are trying to protect the world in essentially a kind of a an extreme way, because we see a, a point where this guy attacks Raven, uh, well, uh, Raven's you know, foster mother in her home ends up killing her. But during this, he's, you know, prepped to go after her and she kind of unleashes some of her power for the first time that we see in this episode. So throughout this, you know, she's being chased down while she's trying to find Dick. But when we do see him appear later, he's making some comments. Basically, if he kills her, he can close the door. That door he's trying to close is a way for Trigun, uh, a huge big bad in DC universe and Raven's father from coming into that world. So he's trying to do something that's for the betterment of humanity, but in a really bad way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While she doesn't know, he's who an she extremist. Is at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, but she doesn't know who she is still at this point. Um, now I think that was a great way to handle it. One of the things that's very interesting though, too, is watching Raven's powers in the show. I think this was a big highlight for me on the way that this worked. Uh, every time we saw her in reflections, it kind of had like a, a horror movie vibe to it, which was perfect. We saw her reflections talking back to her screaming, um, things like that. All these little pieces that were really unique. But when we get to the end, man, I'll just let you, you handle this one on, uh, when she actually confronts him while she's tied up. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought it was really cool because it was almost as if, What's a good way to a reverse? Kind of, she, she, she astral projected herself. I, well, I was going to say it was almost like a reverse possession mm-hmm. uh, in the fact that the demon comes out. You're right, because she's still tied up in the chair, but yet she's able to possess. I don't even know if it's an astral astral prese- um, projection because there is a physical part of this. I mean, this uh, this embodiment that does come out of her, uh, you know, this demon part that came out of her, which going on of what you said makes it, it gives it like a, a very much a horror movie feel. I, I loved about it too because it, with as gritty as this show is and as brutal as the show is, you have to go that route. You can't kind of trim down and and kind of scale back a demon aspect of this. I mean, I mean, a demon is a demon, so you have to portray it for really what it is. But yeah, you're right. You see this projection of the demon come out of her and possess this guy and pretty much kill him from the inside, which. Mm-hmm. um was very brutal and as a horror movie fan as you know going along with that i, I thought it was fantastic it and- looked good and one thing i really liked about it too and people are gonna maybe argue and say well she killed somebody she, she kind of didn't yeah <laughs> the demon did <laughs> the demon did but she's still tied in a chair and passed out and she doesn't know her powers and i think this is a cool way to do it and that's why i think it also works when we get into the third story uh because again this is a kid that's afraid, doesn't know what she can do, and all of a sudden, because that's what she's struggling with this entire episode. She's like, what's wrong with me? And again, this part of her that she doesn't understand, she doesn't know what it comes from, is lashing out at other things. We see her accidentally attack her, her stepmother in the beginning, a shatter glass table, uh, you know, all these little pieces. But it's also trying to protect her. It's a secondary entity that I think we're going to see her come to grips with and control throughout the course of the season and that's what's going to make this interesting i think it's awesome that we're coming in 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 this from a place where these people and a lot of these characters really don't know who or what they are and they're not knowing who they are 
transitions us to our final big part of the story, which is as we shift into Austria, as we deal with Corey Anders, which I I love the the the, na- the, the play on name, yeah, because again, it's her passport, so. Obviously, we know her name is Coriander. She doesn't because it looks like she wakes up in a car accident, not knowing anything about who she is. Well, before we uh, get before we get into Cory, too, I want to make one more note about Rachel and Raven sure. in that you mentioned how the demon is something that's, you know, gives her her abilities, but is also trying to protect her. We do get a very clear scene of that in the episode of that the dime that the demon really is trying to protect her because we see her when she first gets to Detroit, she goes to that shelter for food. And she's kind of lured away by what we assume is another member of this cult. And she sees the reflection uh, in a piece of glass on, uh, you know, on the wall of the alley. And it's the demon saying she's lying. And then the next scene we see, she's looking down in a puddle. She sees the reflection of the demon again. And the demon tells her to run, which is what we, which is what she does. So there, this is very obvious that this demon is trying to protect her as well. Yeah. So, but now we can jump into Corey uh, and jump into Starfire and then uh, we, we can go from there. But I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Okay. So this was the one that had everybody really worried and scared. Um, and I'm happy to say I really like what they did with Starfire. Here. I did too. Uh, I was, I will say right off the bat, Anna Diop really shined here. Like really, really shined. Out of everybody that we saw in the few scenes she had, her acting chops really came through. She has this class and charm to her that really works very, very well. She's very confident for somebody that doesn't really know who they are. And I love the fact that we have a mystery unfolding about why she is where she is and her trying to figure out who she is. This is a really good way to introduce us to an alien. I love this idea and, that she has to come to grips with it as the audience does as well. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I, you know, touching on that a little bit too, that was one of my. I guess another concern I had with the episode, but when I say I have concerns with the episode, uh, you know, mentioning the, the CGI and the transformation with Beast Boy and now this, I don't want them to take that as in like this took away from the episode because neither one of these concerns took away from the episode at all. I highly enjoyed it. Um, but one of the concerns I had was that there's no mention of her being an alien at all, which I'm totally fine with because she's still discovering who she is. So why would we know as an audience who she is at this point? I'm the only worry I had was, are they going to kind of divert from the fact that she's an alien? But then I thought about it. And I'm like, well, Superman's an alien. They never diverted away from that. Raven is a demon, half demon. They're not diverting away from that. Why in the hell would they divert away from her origin story and change that in any way, too? Yeah, so, it's not going to happen. No, I they're going to they're going to go into it. They're going to go into it full force. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I think that works. But what was really interesting and unexpected here uh, we get an interesting nod, uh, a very interesting nod. So as she's kind of piecing everything together, uh, we do know um, she is in Austria and she is an associate of none other than Konstantin Kovar. Very, very interesting take. Somebody that we saw portrayed not this past year on Arrow, but the year before by Dolph Lundgren, uh, which was pretty cool. So we know he has ties to the KGB, all these other little pieces. But a nice, really beautiful touch uh, that I, I, I read an article that I didn't even pick up on that just made me smile. Konstantin Kovar's son in the comic books is a hero by the name of Red Star. Red Star's original superhero name was Starfire. Oh, OK. Uh-huh. 
So a really nice little tip of the hat DC-wise. Really dug that. Thought that was a really beautiful touch. But everybody was very worried about the costuming she was wearing. But it made sense here. It absolutely made sense. When we see her go back to the hotel, you can tell that they even know who she is. She's in a penthouse suite. They kind of refer to you. You get the idea that she's a bit of a party girl. Constantine Kovar runs a club. She fit in with that world the moment she walked in that club. Very clearly, it all made sense 100%. So all of that really worked here. We don't know too, too much, but we do see her unleash her powers near the end of the episode. And she even seems slightly surprised that she was almost shot. Uh, she definitely sends out a wave of death <laughs> is the best way to put it. Well, I think it's uh, supposed to be almost like a, 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 a form of radiation, is it not? Uh, well, it, it's 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 kind of like an energy blast. Is yeah. the best way it kind of looks like, but a little bit of a mix of flames in there too, um, because we see that room torched to shit. <laughs> so and pretty again, much pop- and pretty much I, the three people just standing in as ash in a human form. Yeah, and we see them just fall apart. Yeah, uh, and again, I, I don't want to hold it against this character um, for killing people yet at this point if she's a a murder beast throughout the season i'm gonna have a problem with it no but But at this point it was pretty much a defense mechanism it was a defense and she also seems like she didn't know what was going on yeah uh which one that's one of the things i like is she went to constantine to get answers when you have a, a person that's a hero do something and they don't know who they are or what they are and having them come to grips with their powers that works if they're already a hero and they're killing then you have an issue. And I think they made it work in the confines of the story that they're working in. It gives it a little bit of a grit. It made it make some people kind of turn away just a little bit, say, that's not my Starfire. That's not my Coriander, whatever it may be. But I think in the context of what they're doing here, it really did work perfectly fine. Um, I think really my biggest issues with this episode as a whole was getting from scene to scene. The, the transition seemed clunky. Uh, I, you felt like you could have trimmed a couple minutes here and there. Uh, and it was really a pacing issue. Uh, and I want these characters all together soon. I think if they they drag these separated characters out for more than four episodes, they're in trouble. But I think uh, – but again, it, it's, it's something that can easily be rectified because we're watching a team come together for the first time. Uh, but having her in Austria and why she's – they Constantine's folks were looking, looking for Rachel uh, also becomes a big question. So I do like that we have our tie. And we know she's headed to Detroit. It's just how long is that going to take? Yeah, that's my concern. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you on pretty much everything that you said. I, I I'm really, again, I, it only took this first episode to get me hooked. And you know, while there were a lot of naysayers out there for people who were, you know, criticizing the trailer, criticizing costuming and everything, and we kept saying, you know, like, look, you're seeing things out of context. You got to give it a chance. Uh, I'm glad that we did because we were going to give it a chance no matter what. And we knew people were going to want to hear a conversation about this. And I'm glad that we're actually going to talk about it because I, I highly enjoyed it. And yeah. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read this. This was a part of the news story, but it fits better here. And this is a statement from Anna Diop at New York comic con, uh, at the reveal last week. It says, um, People were asking again, and we even brought up that we're going to be seeing a comic accurate version of that costume. And she says this, as soon as I put it on, everybody was flipping out. It's awesome because it's something that so many people have seen for so long, and it means so much to people that this is the first time we're bringing this character to life. But, you know, our story takes time. It takes time. It's an origin story. So it takes its time, and the characters coming to this place where you see them and the way that everybody's always known. 
I hope that the audience can be patient with us and have fun with us. It's a ride and it's a fun one, but let us make sure we do it right. And I really like that statement from her because I have a feeling she's going to be the MVP of the show. I really, really do. After this episode, this the way that she portrayed this character uh, and the way that her, her acting chops really shine through in the couple scenes she had. I think we're going to see a lot of cool things from her. I really do. I, yeah, I won't deny that at all. I think that's yeah. a strong possibility of that happening. Um, do we think before the end of this season or maybe even into next season, we're going to see or at least get hints of the relationship between Dick and Corey? Uh, yes, we actually saw it in the second trailer. We, we see Robin and Starfire kiss. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I haven't watched any trailers, so I I, uh, I wasn't aware. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we are going to see that. So we are going to get that early relationship angle between those two characters, which oh. I think will be, which will be cool to see uh, unfold for the first time on screen. Um, well, aside from a couple of the animated features where we have seen the relationship. So. Yeah. All right. That answered my question then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because short of the uh, announced trailer, I've stayed away from other trailers because I I kind of wanted to reveal everything in uh, in watching the show. So, uh, all right. I think that about wraps it then for Titan stock. Yeah. Um, I will say this one final note. It was very hard to watch this show after just watching teen Titans go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause I watched it and I was like, Oh, let's watch Titans now. And I'm like, it, it took me a moment to adjust. <laughs> so, and <laughs> I know I asked you yesterday because we were hanging out yesterday how many times you had watched Titans and you gave me a number and I'm pretty sure that number is up by at least one more by this point. Uh, yes, because I watched it again last <laughs> That's night. That's what I figured. <laughs> I need to. So I, I will probably it. be watching it today. So that was viewing number four. Uh, since uh, since I've had access to it on Tuesday, so. <laughs> I will probably be watching it again. And everybody I've talked to who has watched it since it's been released on digital uh, has loved it. So my my wife watched it with me. Uh, I want to say it was Wednesday night, and she was like, "This is absolutely adorable." And she's like, "And I love this." Yeah. So, because uh, she's only seen a tiny little bit of, of Titans Go, but she she loved every moment of it. it from the very fight in the beginning with Balloon Man, where he sends out the balloon kitties, and it was just Starfire hugging them to death. <laughs> she was just in stitches laughing. So, um, <laughs> it, it's just a fun movie. I well, I was it. somebody too who hadn't seen Titans Go at all before seeing the movie, and I love the movie. So, yeah, I I totally understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into what we're going to be covering for the rest of this fall season, and that being at least one of the four shows, that being The Flash. Uh, so we will give this our one of three rating, and then we will jump into breaking this down as well. But we have, obviously, the season five premiere, episode one, titled Nora. What do we give this, sidekick, hero, or legend? Uh, I struggled with this for about 0.5 seconds. Yep. It's getting a legend. <laughs> so when you said I struggled with this, and then the, before you even said for like a split second, I was like, really? Because uh, yeah, I knew exactly uh, what I was giving this one. It's not getting a 10 out of 10 for me, but I will say it's if, if it was getting a number score, it would probably about an eight, five or a nine. Uh, I think this was a really fun, strong start to a new season. Absolutely. This is getting a legend for me as well. This is. I think maybe one of the strongest starts to a season we've seen from this show yet. And uh, there were a lot of great moments that came out of this premiere. And if they keep up with at this pace with the rest of this season, with maybe a couple slowdowns here and there, which is to be expected, uh, this is going to be a phenomenal season of this show. 
So, but let's get into the breakdown of the episode, season five, episode one, titled Nora. After an unexpected guest from the future appears at their home, Barry and Iris must figure out how to get her back to the future without disrupting the timeline. I got through the words back to the future without chuckling this time. <laughs> which i usually do every time i mention those words but yeah i mean the season pretty much kicks off right from where season four left off and that's with nora appearing uh with their uh the celebration of the birth of uh what i forget the baby's name i want to say deb uh no i can't remember um it's okay it's yeah all right. um but yeah i mean it's it's pretty much there's no time between season four and season five this is jumping right into where we left off with season five and i think rightfully so i think that's a good way to do it um i do have quite a few things that i I wanted to make sure i mentioned throughout this but one of the big notes and i apologize for jumping right to the end of the episode a little bit i believe this is the first time we've gotten the introduction or the visual seeing of the big bad in episode one uh i think if memory serves correctly correct correctly we did see devoe in the end of the first episode of last season um yeah i'm i'm gonna double check on that to see if he was listed as part of the cast but okay um while we're talking but yeah i mean as far as i remember i'm i think this was uh, the first time yeah i don't think we did get oh no we did we, we, Neil Sandilands was in the cast of the first episode. So, but I don't think he was the thinker as of yet. Uh, I think we see him, uh, a close up shot of him as the thinker in that episode okay. at the very, very end. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very quick, quick, quick shot. So. Yeah. But, but I mean, again, that's pretty much what this was too. This was the after flash moment, uh, in which we get introduced to Cicada, who we know is our big bad and, uh, brilliant use of the sound as well mm-hmm. behind him because again I, I i i've gotten my my mother into these shows and my mother happened to watch them and she she texted me and she was like well who's the guy that we met at the end i'm like um that that's our big bad for the season i'm like his name's cicada she's like oh well that explains the sound that was coming as he mm-hmm. was there i'm like uh-huh yeah so it was really nicely done yes it was very subtle it wasn't overly done but it was it was there and it was it was perfect it was the way it was mm-hmm. yeah. so um, a couple things I, I definitely want to, to bring up. And again, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, but one of the things that I absolutely adored about this episode too, other than the fact that, um, um, Jessica Parker is absolutely adorable. Yes. Jessica Parker Kennedy really, really shined here. Yes. Uh, and it's so weird because, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of black sales and she is such such a different character yeah your wife uh, and i were, she, your wife cat and i were talking about this last night because yeah, so she, she she basically plays a madam in a whorehouse in, in um in, in, in nassau port with the pirates and she is a vindictive kind of slightly evil out for herself and betterment of herself through thick and thin uh and does not care about a person in the world except her survival and just coming out on top and you see her in here and it's like a it's like looking at like her happy twin um, and, it, <laughs> and it's but it showed me how like when he, she got cast and we saw her and I'm like, I know her. And then seeing those shows compared together and you see her here, man, her, her acting chops are fantastic. And man, you're right. She fits in with Team Flash beautifully. Now, absolutely it, beautifully. How, how old are we to 
How are we do we assume like how old is Nora supposed to be? Because we're never given I, a number on her age. I would say we we would we could probably place her in because she looks young enough that she could portray somebody as young as TV versions of somebody that's sixteen years old. <laughs> that's I and I that's what I I was assuming like, maybe like a nineteen to twenty year old child. Yeah, my my thought would be she's like anywhere from in TV logic sixteen to twenty two, twenty three, maybe at the most. But the only the only downside to the flaw in that is the fact that one of the things we do learn from this episode is not only Flash still missing, he's been missing for twenty five years. So are we seeing a and we know that the the year on the newspaper is twenty forty nine. So. Are we to assume that's her time? That's where she's coming from, or is that just a future paper from? E- that's something even the future from where she's from. Because if he's been missing for twenty five years, and that newspaper is from her time, she has to be at least twenty five years old. Yeah, so it's very possible that could be the case. But again, time travel—you never really know what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, at the end of our review, I do have something for people that I think they'll be very happy. Um, somebody was nice enough to actually put a scan and write out everything in that special newspaper from 2049. Really? I have full context of it. And I read it for the first time this morning, and my jaw was on the floor. Okay. So uh, when we get to the end, I will read that whole newspaper article. Which, which paper? The 2049 or? Yeah, the 2049 one that okay. actually explains the crisis. Ooh, okay, good. Um, yeah, because I'm interested in that too. But one, other than, like I said, so other than the fact that Jessica Parker Kennedy is absolutely adorable in this episode, um, we got a lot of nods to other characters in this episode. There are at least three that I picked up on. Uh, we got Lightning Lad. Yes, we did. We got Mob Rule. Mm-hmm. We got Ryan Choi. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a great nod. Yeah. And uh, there's something very interesting, too, because of that Ryan Choi stuff also ties into some Ray Palmer stuff yeah. that you're going to find out about in that newspaper article. Oh, OK. Um, the only one I'm curious about, and I don't know if you picked up on it and if it means anything or not, is there's a moment with, between Ralph and Caitlin at the end of the episode, and we hear the name Cameron Mockett. I don't know. If that pertains to anything or not, because I was not able to find anything online about that. Uh, no, I, I think that's an original character here that okay. we're going to see. Um, I, I could be wrong about that, uh, but it, it, for some other reason, it wants to it wants to stick out of my head. It's Cameron Mockett sounds like a, a bad guy. I remember from Batman, the animated series, like a mob boss, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, so I, I'm not quite sure, but. It, it could be. Uh, it sounds a little too familiar, but it could. I, I could be stretching here. So okay, yeah, that was the only one when I heard that name. Uh, I wasn't sure what if it if there was any meaning behind it. But obviously, Lightning Lad, we know, is somebody from from uh, from Excess's time. Ryan Choi was the third or fourth iteration of uh, the Atom, which again, uh, he was the second second iteration of the Atom. I believe. Now, see, I've read third and fourth. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't no, hear I think that's right. It is the third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there's, there's technically one, I think, before Ray Palmer, but I could be wrong. And not only that, but we got a special preview or mention of something we know that is going to happen this season. And that is when she, when uh, Barry is going through all his different suits and he gets the one suit that smells. And she says, well, that was your, your encounter with King Shark. And she's like, well, King Shark was so, you know, cool, but just wait until he meets Grodd. We or know he, until he fights Grodd. Until he fights like, Grodd, yeah. Because it makes it sound like he's a hero in that fight, the way that she brings it up. I'm like, interesting. I'm like, so. so yeah, so I mean, and, cool. and we know that that's happening this season. 
Oh, I know. I'm so excited because <laughs> so, I think King Shark's design and Grodd's design just look too good for television. And so because, um, man, those are just awesome characters. Awesome, awesome characters. Yeah. So but I'm I'm rambling on. I'm just going on with with some of my uh, favorite scenes. So let's actually jump into some of the breakdown and we can get to some of your favorite stuff, too, because I don't want to hog the whole conversation oh yeah no fine um but yeah i mean we see nora come back and we see at least the excuse that the the explanation that we're giving at the time is that she came back to help barry uh and now she is trapped there and we get the explanation of i think it's negative um oh god my mind is blanking negative negative tachyons tachyons yes negative negative tachyons uh, which are preventing her, and and actually we get the tie into legends with this one because, and one of the things I really liked about this too is because you know some of the fans out there were going to be well if she can't speed, you know Back to the Future we have the legends why can't the legends just take her home, and they kind of touch on that and they clear that up as to why you just simply can't put yeah. her on the wave rider. They, they have Wally take, take a sample of her her DNA and her blood samples to the legends and. They say, hey, if we put negative tachyons ever on the ship, uh, yeah, the wave rider goes boom. Yeah. Uh, let's not do that. Um, so, But I, I thought that was a really nice – at least they addressed it. One of the other things they addressed here that I really, really was happy about because it 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 makes you take a deep breath and be like, thank you. Thank you for addressing this finally, <laughs> which was – you know, she's there on their Earth in their time, mucking around the timeline, and Barry's struggling with the idea of sh- if she should be there or not. And and Iris looks at him and is like, is this the Barry Allen I know? This is the person that went back to pull Leonard Snart out of the time to help out before he dies. This is somebody that went to the future to find out who Savitar was. All these little things that you've done. Why are you so concerned about the timeline now? Yeah, and it's kind yeah. of like – and and it's I like that they bring that up, but then I love the fact that they have Wally later in the episode is like, well, there's soft points in time. You can he's like, look at the legends. These like little things can happen, and it won't really impact anything. But there's certain lock times, like the death of Nora Allen, that can change everything. And I like that they finally brought it up to remind everybody. He's like, guys, I understand. Yes, time travel is messy. We get it too. Let us just tell you a fun story. And there's certain things that just can't be changed. Yeah, and exactly. Leave and they, they they laid it out there for everybody and said. Stop worrying about it. We get it, too. But we have a fun story to tell. And I really kind of appreciated them saying that. Now, one of the things I thought about, too, getting into that conversation about time and everything, about how she can kind of, you know, mess with time by being there. I I thought about this a little bit. And what if there's a possibility that excess coming to the past and working with them is actually a fixed point in time. Like this is something that needs to happen in order for time to progress the way it does. Like what if this is something that was already supposed to happen and in essence they're really not messing with time at all? Yeah, it very well could be. And it's that unfortunately again, getting into time travel a lot yeah. in specifics, we're going to fall in a really weird hole and this episode's going to be six hours long. It can so, destroy the space-time continuum. Uh, it'll destroy our <laughs> listenership as well. Okay, yeah. moving forward. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I really loved Excess here. She was fantastic. She, Like I said, I already said it before, she's a perfect addition to this cast. But I, for one, again, the Excess suit, Man, that looks so spot on and so good. And I love I the was... the lightning, the mix of the colors of the lightning, which is even brought up as well. You know, with uh, um, you know, with Iris saying like, "Well, she's got the pink lightning from when I was the Flash, or, or the purple lightning the pur- that she, from yeah. yeah, from when I was the Flash, and you know, the the yellow lightning from when you're the Flash. She's definitely our daughter." 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, and I just love the little nods to everything that, that they're doing with it. Yeah. And you definitely know that they're, and one of the things I loved, because they didn't come out and say it, but I love how well and strongly it was portrayed because there was so much awkwardness between Iris and, and Nora through this entire episode. Every scene they were in, it felt kind of cringy, but because it was supposed to. And I really want to find out why they, she has such a big issue with her. Well, especially that- as Nora is trying to, con- to connect. Because we know there's definitely something else that's out there, like wherever place that Iris is in, in that timeline where the Flash and Barry is no longer there. Does she fall off a steep road? Does she, is she against Nora being a hero because of what happened to Barry? All these little things. Does she forbid her for doing what she's doing? And you can definitely tell there's some serious worry and concern and contention between the two of them. Not just the fact that we find out in this episode that Nora doesn't really know Barry. Because he's just not there for her life when yeah. she's growing up. He does disappear when that newspaper says he does. I and mean, well, she's a little kid when that happens. Well, let's not forget that one of the two of us made the prediction that there's definitely some resentment between yeah. Iris and Nora. You and, absolutely called that. And, and, at at, and, at, right. and at the same time, I also said last week that it was a strong prediction that there was a strong chance that uh, – Barry was not a part of her life because he's missing in the crisis. And that was the time frame that she came from. And that, that I don't think that was as big of a prediction as there being resentment between Nora and Iris. That was something I called God, I think going back last year, last last year during last season. Yeah. Um, I called that and the prediction of her being miss Barry being missing from her life. Wasn't as big of a prediction because that you could probably see that in, in a lot of different ways, but yeah, the resentment between the two of them, there's obviously something there and they kind of hinted at it last season when we were seeing her as the mystery girl. And it definitely showed through in this pilot and in this premiere that there's, there's a deeper connection or misconnection between the two of them now. And it could be anything like you mentioned. It could be the fact that Iris just doesn't want her to be a speedster because we know that Barry's missing. We know something happened in the crisis that caused him to be missing. He's been missing for 25 years. It might simply be something that she's a worried mother. She doesn't want the same thing to happen to her daughter. And that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, you can definitely understand that's where it's getting set up. Like yeah. Iris makes a statement is like, we finally get our happy ending. And you could see this being something that might break Iris. Um, and I, I think this is a very cool place to take this. Um, so yeah, the, the story worked really well. We find out, we get a nod to the flash museum for the first time in this yes, episode we as do. well. Um, and we find out that's what she does to, you know, kind of regulate her speed. There's an item that'll kind of give her negative tachyons so she can't do certain things. So her story checks out, but we find out again, it's, she's just lying. She wants to get to know her dad and that's really all it is. And she even says, look, I screwed up. This is selfish. And I really love the bond that she has with Barry. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch these two characters grow and watch the potential resentment start to build between Iris and her. All these little pieces seem to work out in such a fun, interesting way. It's going to create a really cool uh, plot line and storyline and thread that's going to run through the season. The big question I have, Neil, is, is Nora going to be there for this entire season with us? And I really hope she is. I hope it's not just going to be a handful of episodes that she has a heavy involvement in as Team Flash tries to figure out everything else because I want her to stick around. She feels, feels like such a wonderfully perfect fit 
for this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I want her to stick around as well, too. Um, one of the other things I really enjoyed seeing, too, was the immediate connection that her and Joe had at mm. the end of the episode when he's like, well, I get to spend time with my granddaughter. Like, you mm-hmm. literally just met her a couple hours ago, and you are immediately taking the position of Grandpa Joe. Uh, well, I love the fact that she also calls him Papa Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Joe uh, and um, uh, Mama. Uh, Mama, Mama Cecile. Mama yeah. Cecile. Yep. Uh, Uncle Wally. The, because and because we as uh, our group of friends always refer to Joe S as Papa Joe. As Papa Joe. <laughs> and because we're like, he's the best TV dad of all time. Um, and. I, I, I kind of love the fact that it's become canon. It has made me so happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, was, sure. I haven't been, I, but that was not the only thing that made me happy this, this week. Cause man, oh man, did we see the flash suit come out of the ring for the first oh, time? God, how awesome was that? And I got chills and now, I, the suit on the other hand. Eh, but, okay. Well, I want to, I want to talk about that because that was okay. something I did want to bring up. And I know we saw those, those, those advanced shots of the suit, you know, the suit without the chin strap and everything too. And I'm go- I'm not going to lie. I, I wasn't impressed with the suit when we saw the promo shots and everything, but maybe it was me just being caught up in the moment of seeing the flash ring and the suit coming out and him immediately going into it. But I kind of liked it. And, and then seeing the suit in action, I was kind of okay with it. My biggest issue with the suit in the beginning was the fact that there was no chin strap. And my reasoning behind that was because it re- revealed too much of his face. And, and then I sat and I thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute. This is a universe where excess has literally just something over her eyes. Superman is hidden by a pair of glasses. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that says that this is revealing too much of his face. This is a very oblivious world where yeah. people don't recognize these people, even with just a piece of black tape over their eyes. There's no reason to believe anybody's going to recognize Barry as the Flash because he's missing a chin strap. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, my my opinion was kind of like, oh, my God, the suit is coming out of the ring. And I was geeking out and then I see the suit and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's. You know what it was, and I think the reason why it stood out the, the most was we have this excellent moment near the end of the episode where you know Barry's teaching Nora how to phase. They're taking down the big bad gridlock, which we really don't need to say much about gridlock. He is a he's a villain of the He's week. a one and done. Yeah. He has a one and done that's nothing special. And he's trying to bring down a plane um in the process of stealing some equipment. And we know, hey, his powers mean if he's got momentum, uh he just gets stronger and stronger and his dark matter gets bigger and bigger. So uh but we see the three speedsters on this plane having to phase a plane through a building. And it looks so awesome. And it's such a great moment. And you look at Wally in his suit. And it kind of looks bigger and bulkier than you remember. But it's such a good-looking suit. You see Nora in the excess suit. And it looks really good. And then you see Barry. And it it looks like he's just wearing a unitard. And, it, it, <laughs> and, and that's the problem I have with it is they, they look like they removed so much texture from it. And and ways to break the suit up that it looks so simplistic and bland. Uh, there's nothing that's really divvying up the suit. Like even the boots have a lot less accentuation to it. The belt looks like it doesn't have much to it. Uh, the emblem hasn't grown in size or anything like that. The even the 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 lightning bolts on the side of the cow are all just gold circles now and they don't really look like much where they used to kind of protrude a little bit more. It's just it's scaled back so much. 
that I think that it's kind of a bit of a miss. But you know uh, what, though? If you consider the fact that if you look at the Flash from the comic books, the Flash... Oh, it is. It's, it's, there's no texture to that costume either. I mean, this is more akin to the comic book it, it costume of is. the Flash. I just think from what we see in the Arrowverse normally, this feels like it's a... You look at it and it just doesn't feel like it fits the same MO as the rest of the suits in this world at this point. It feels like the one that you look at it and you're like, that one looks cheap in comparison to everything else that we see normally. And I think that's my concern um, is I think when we see all these characters together, I'm not quite sure how it's going to look all cohesive. I, so, I think I, I'm making a prediction. I, I'm making a prediction. I think this suit's going to grow on you. Uh, uh, it's my hope. Uh, but I really will say I really hope the chin strap comes back uh, <laughs> uh, because I think um, it is a little odd because the hell it looks like a helmet nail on top of somebody wearing a unitard and it doesn't blend like it used to. It doesn't connect down uh, the way that it used to. And I think that it, it makes it look slightly off. And also, I was a huge fan of the suit from last season, too. I, was I thought too. that that was my favorite suit. So it feels like such a slide backwards, but Hey, you know what? I, I'm really hoping it grows on me. And it's nothing to say that the suit may not evolve a little bit through the course of the season. Cisco getting to tamper with something made by Ryan Choi, you know? Yeah. yeah. So well, and I think, I think there's a lot of additions to that suit that we obviously, I mean, because this is the first time he's ever wearing it. I mean, there's something about that suit that Barry already knows just by putting it on. I mean, the first words out of his mouth are, this is a super suit. So there's enhancements to that suit. Obviously, again, being designed by Ryan Choi, who we know as a future Adam, there there's going to be enhancements to the suit that we're going to see as the season progresses. So, well, I, I think one of the other things too, is we haven't seen Barry just walking around with a cow down like we normally see so often where we get time to really see the detail of the suit that has not happened yet. All we got was the, the action scene. So it was really hard to focus on the look and the visual design of the suit. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll have a better idea uh in an, another episode or two again i'm not writing it off but i'm I'm still a little uh, not quite well, sure and, what i think about it yet and i think that's a good point i think you might be distracted of you know from being able to enjoy the suit and appreciate it for what it is i think you might be there's that detachment of not having the chin strap that kind of throws you a little bit and i think that kind of sends your attention more to the cowl than the actual suit itself and i think yeah. when we get that first moment where we see him walking around star labs you know with the cowl drawn back and him just in the suit and looking like Barry in the suit, where we'll actually be able to look at the suit itself without having that distraction. And um, I think that then we'll be able to appreciate um, appreciate yeah, the suit. Absolutely. Uh, but man, oh man, that phasing the plane through the buildings, though, what a great, great visual look. Well, um, we did see, you know, Grant Gustin say, I think at San Diego Comic-Con, that they got to do something this season that they've always, they never thought they would be able to do, and it happens in the season premiere, and you made the point to me, you reminded me of that last night, that was it. Yeah. That, that, that phasing was. the plane. And it wasn't, what I really loved about that whole thing, about the phasing of the plane, was this was not just something cool that they got to do that they never thought they would be able to do before. But this was also a huge story plot too, because while, you know, Tom Cavanaugh's Harrison Wells is not in this episode. He actually is in that Mm -hmm. this is, Oh God. And I, I'm going to love chills. I did. I'm going to love making this comparison because I think this is a fantastic comparison. The son becomes the father and the father becomes the son from Superman. This is 
oh my, how great of a moment was that, that he's drawing in that knowledge that was given to him by Wells, who was a pseudo father of his, and he's passing that knowledge on to his own child. Mm-hmm. Like, how fantastic of a moment was that? Yeah, it was really just touching, and I loved him just reciting line by line, and we're getting the cutbacks to to that moment in season one where we see him phase for the first time, and yeah, it's such an awesome moment, just a really just wonderfully done moment, and uh, I, I was very pleased with all of it. Uh, we do have a couple of other MVPs of this this episode that we haven't even brought up yet, and uh, I know I'm gonna let you unveil who that is because. Uh, Man, oh man, it's a character that we both love. <laughs> oh, Ralph Dibney. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. Like, who did we meet that I don't I want to talk about? Oh, no, Ralph. My love for Ralph. And my love for Ralph continues in this episode because, um, you know, he's he's very prominent in the episode. He's not, he's very obviously a member of Team Flash. He is not a secondary character anymore. He is very predominant in the team. Not only that, but... Man, we knew he was going to getting be getting back to his detective work, and he goes right to it, and mm-hmm. he he's right back into it. And not only is it discovered that he's right back to being a detective again, but he is the one that helps Caitlin reveal that there's a very strong possibility. Actually, I don't think it's a strong possibility. I think it's pretty much guaranteed at this point that Caitlin's father is still alive, because I think we might have already gotten cat like notes of that before there might have been a news story about that we covered over the summer yeah where we have the casting for her, for okay. her father that's what uh, i thought so, yeah that was that was early summer that we found that out so he's obviously he's back to being the detective that we know and we love he's going to be now no elongated moments from him but i'm okay with that um i'm totally okay with that and Man, you heard it already as the line of the week this week that we opened the podcast with. He added so much between him and drunk Cisco, so much levity to this, uh, to this episode and Ralph oh, discovering the many verse. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard with, especially like, would, you know, between Gypsy and Wells, like, what did you think we meant when we said Earth 2? I thought you meant Earth also. Like, that's <laughs> fantastic and brilliant at the same uh, it time. Was, it was really great writing. It was really just very funny writing. And I, I loved it. And I just loved some of the things later on, too. It's like, you guys really need a manual for when new people <laughs> yeah. come and join. Or a pamphlet. Like, yeah, something. Something. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I love the fact, too, at the end, you know, when right before he presents Caitlin with that material. And he's like, well, if Barry can travel through time, why didn't he prevent DeVoe from killing me and in the back of my mind i'm thinking oh shit i'm like this is going to be a a problem and immediately afterwards he's like no no i'm kidding i understand it It would have (laughs) disturbed the balance of time and such and just the fact that one while it's adding a moment while it's adding moments of levity levity the whole many verse and everything and then him just thinking about time travel and figuring out on his own about what it can do and balancing the state of of the world and everything not only is it adding moments of levity, but in an essence, too, this is really putting a spotlight on the fact that one thing we forget, Ralph's a damn good detective. Yeah, well, he's meant to be one of the smartest people in the DC universe. Yeah. So 
as much as he comes off like a goof, I love the fact that this year we're going to get to see him really stretch and use the, his detective chops. They said that was one of the big key things. And they said why one of the reasons that we're getting like this Sherlock Holmes version of Wells this year is to kind of pit the two of them against each other. Yeah. And I'm really excited to watch that happen. So, yeah, I am, too. Um, now, I have two other notes. Uh, before, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you because there might be other things that you want to mention too. And one of them, actually, one of them I think is confirmation of something and the other one is, um, more a question that I want to get your opinion on. The first one that I wanted to bring up, like I said, is more a, uh, a prediction than anything, more a confirmation of, of something as anything else. As we know, there's an upcoming episode called The Death of Vibe, which, we, I know some people were saying online it could be the death of Cisco Ramon, and I know we had said before that it's not. It's probably it could just be that Cisco's not going to be vibe any longer, which yeah. I think either way would kind of suck. But we do know for a fact that Cisco is alive in Nora's time, yeah, because she knows who he is. Does that necessarily mean that something can't get screwed up with the timeline and something happens to him? Yeah, I think that's a possibility, but mm-hmm. she doesn't mention him as vibe she mentions him as cisco so i think this might be something a possibility that he's just no longer going to be vibe it's it's very possible so it's a big wait and see so the other one is more a question i i i lend to you and this was something that i put a thought into we do know that one of the versions of wells was the one that wanted to put together uh, the idea of opening up Star Labs for visitors to come in, which we thought was going to be the beginning of the Flash Museum. And we actually have seen the Flash Museum in in um, one of the visions that Barry got as he was traveling back through time the first time, when he was seeing all the different versions of like the multiverse and seeing elements of the future and everything. We We did get vision of the Flash Museum in that. We do hear that Nora mentions that when they ask, well, you know who Gridlock is. Well, Mr. Miles has kind of wiped that around. Mm-hmm. Is Mr. Miles a version of Harrison Wells? I, or is he just a, a random curator of the Flash Museum? Actually, on that one, I'm really not too sure. That was really, my thought I'm, when I heard that name. Yeah, I, 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 I'm honestly really not sure on that one. Uh, it could be very possible. So, yeah. That was it. Those were my other two points okay. that I, I wanted to make mention before we kind of started to wrap things up. But I, is yeah, there anything yeah. else that you wanted to make mention of the episode? No, no. I, I think honestly right now I'm, I think what I'll just do is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll read through the, the article. Oh, I thought of in... one more thing. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought of one more thing. Um, obviously, Captain Singh has reinstated Barry as a as the forensic expert on um, on the on the department. And we're, we're kind of getting that inclination that Nora is also big into forensics. She's very good at forensics, too. And when she's having that awkward conversation with Iris at Jitters, you know, kind of trying to guess what she does in the future, she kind of leads Iris to believe that she's a forensic scientist, just like her father. Do we think she really is a forensic scientist or is she just in the forensics because that's what her father did? And that was I just think the excuse she, she was just, giving Iris. She She's following her footsteps. Like, like you could definitely tell she was like she was right into a case like she understood, you know, so. OK, so this it's, is it's safe to say she was probably telling the truth and she really is. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was the future. I don't think that's a lie at all, because, again, we, we see her skimming through the case and she's like, oh, such as uh, accelerate and such this happens. And so, you know, she's just she's obsessed with her dad. OK, so 
Um, all right, cool. I got nothing else. So let's jump into that newspaper article because I'm interested. So bear with me as I go through this Uh, again. uh, I think most of this is fairly clear. Uh, There's a fair amount here. But again, this is what was posted online. Somebody did get a chance to get this still. So uh, this is for the paper from 2049. Yes. Yes, 2049. Okay. Uh, They they said they transcribed this to the best of their ability, and this is what it it reveals. So it was a beautiful spring day in Central City, not so different from that morning years ago when the clear blue sky turned crimson red and the scarlet speedster vanished in a crisis. Thousands gathered here at the Flash Museum to uh, commemorate that day's quarter century anniversary. Names were read off of other victims of the attack, and Governor Singh gave remarks on the Flash's enduring legacy. The details of Flash's disappearance remain murky. A 2026 Congressional Commission repeated the citizens' initial, uh, initial reporting. Hours after the sky turned red, the Flash and his allies fought the reverse Flash. The ensuing street battle caused the most destruction the city has ever seen. It was not until the Flash and the reverse Flash disappeared in an explosion of light that the chaos ceased. But in the years following the crisis, accounts only grew more contradictory. Some eyewitnesses remembering dozens of other heroes present, including Green Arrow, Batwoman, and, and, and the Elongated Man. Others remember heroes thought lost in time, like the Atom, or from other worlds like Supergirl. Some even contended they saw Reverse Flash leading an army of shadow demons. Scientists at Ivy University Memory Institute chalk up those. Research has focused on Roger Hayden, a.k.a. the Psycho Pirate, who claims to remember the night's events. He said upon his arrest, worlds lived, worlds died, nothing will ever be the same. And nothing ever was. Staring at the golden statue of the Flash, this reporter remembers the, uh, the words of former police chief Joe West, we don't have the details. What? Yes. What, Dude, you have no idea. Like, there is a huge smile on my face right now, and I kind of have chills. So, right off the bat, Psycho Pirate Dropped is the only person to ever remember the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. They mentioned in this article, <laughs> it sounds like both the Atom and Supergirl are dead. Uh, Joe West it was the ch- poli- uh, chief of police. Detective Singh is this is mayor the governor, the city, yeah. Or, well, or the, I think he's the mayor. Um, I thought it was governor. governor. Hold on, I will see if I can find it. Governor Singh, yeah. yeah. Governor of of Central City. Uh, they bring up again the Flash Museum and the fact that this is all Barry versus 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 the Reverse Flash. Man, oh man, that's a that I want this moment to happen Dude, in this show. So do I. <laughs> can you imagine if this is where they end the series? That would be uh, like amazing. I hope they they I hope they jump time and get us. I want to see this. Like this could see this. This could be a this could be a potential future crossover. It, it very well could be. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting though too, the worlds live, worlds die, nothing will ever be the same. Is directly from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, and this sounds like Crisis in a, in a nutshell, essentially. Uh, it, with man. <laughs> Wow. God, I hope uh, the series makes it that far and yeah. we get to see this on screen because that is literally dude, that that would be. Oh, my God. Like, I, I feel like I feel like you couldn't even do that in a four episode crossover like this would have to be a two week long event. Uh, yeah, that sounds just stunning. Uh, oh, God, like it or or even not even a two week long event like this is a season long event. Oh, God. Yes. 
they, they do <laughs> yeah. what they do is like, hey, we're going to end the Arrowverse, but we're going to do it as a crossover season. <laughs> Dude, oh my god, like that would be. I mean, and who's to say like even Arrow would still be on the air, but that by that point, but just to bring Stephen Amell back to just do this thing finally, like it's you have to imagine that if somebody took the time to write out that newspaper article and they are planting these seeds, like putting these articles in the show and obviously leaving it out there for people to find because someone did put all that online, there has to be seeds planted with the writers to do something with it. There has mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. They're not just going to do put all the detail into that as they did and mention people from other worlds like Supergirl and and you know elongated man like mentioning characters we've already been introduced to and and you know and mentioning Adam as people who were once lost thought lost before. Like like this would be there's there are seeds planted they have to have plans to do something with this and, and again it, it definitely the way that that read it sounds like maybe the atom and and supergirl are dead or, or just lost in mia well i don't think uh, I, the way well, you Super, worded Super, it supergirl dies in cri- the original crisis on infinite earths so but the way you, but the way you had worded it i you know when they mentioned adam they had said that you know people once thought lost yeah i that's true i took that as in People already at this point assume that Adam is lost, but he comes back because he was with the legends. Well, they say other. Uh, uh, well, yeah. And they again, it's others. Remember, heroes thought lost in time like the Adam or from other worlds. So, yeah, you're right. It does. Yeah. It does read like they were they were there when things happened. But uh, man, whew, that's God. that's. Uh, honestly, as soon as I saw Roger Hayden, I'm like, yes, I, yeah, I'm like, I want this to happen. Yeah, I, I want this to happen. And I will tell you right now. um, I don't care where the other shows are at. Um, if they happen to do this anytime in the next four or five years, whatever, you know, before these shows end, I'm telling you right now, I don't think there will be anything bigger that not that that will be the series finale of this podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think there'll be anything more we can do to top it. Yeah, I, I think that's if they do this story, <laughs> well, maybe it is time for us to end. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it, I think once we're covering a a live action version of Crisis on Infinite Earths, there's nothing left for us to do. Yeah, uh, well, you know what's kind of scary though is what if that's our crossover this year? <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be full. I don't think Crisis on Infinite Earths will be this year. I think there's a possibility, like I said, of them merging two worlds. Um, yeah, well, again, they they call this one Else Worlds coming up. If if it, they were doing Crisis on Infinite Earths, they would have already have said, "Hey, by the way, guys, the name of this crossover yeah. is Crisis on Infinite Earths." Yeah, I, so. I think this is a future crossover for maybe two, three seasons down the road. Uh, yeah, or or they may do a big time jump coming up, True. Um, and they could say we 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 have our plans. So yeah, oh, oh god, man. <laughs> so I, do, I have no idea like how excited I am for this now. Yeah, so I thought that was a great way to end it because when I saw the article, I'm like, I have to read this out for everybody. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to next week, though, for The Flash. We have Season 5, Episode 2, titled Block, uh, Blocked, uh, Barry and Team Flash track down a meta that is stealing high-tech weapons, only to cross paths with a new foe named Cicada, uh, who is hunting the very same meta with nefarious intent. I will say, looking forward, they do have Hartley Sawyer double-billed as Ralph did me and the Elongated Man, so it looks like we're going to see some more stuff with Elongated Man. And next week, we are getting the introduction to Sherlock wells because he is in the cast for next week awesome so we're getting our new version of wells next week as well so uh, yeah man if the season keeps going at this pace this is going to be a phenomenal season that's it, it really is yeah um but on top of that i also have to make mention that next week we will also be talking about the season premiere of supergirl which debuts actually will have debuted by the time you are listening to this podcast. Uh, if you didn't hear us earlier on, we are going to be about a week behind on Supergirl because we record on Sundays, uh, Sunday mornings and Supergirl has been moved to Sunday nights. So we're going to be a week behind on Supergirl, but, uh, but that's, that's in, okay. In, in, in a technical sense, are we? Cause, uh, <laughs> Supergirl usually kicks off the week. Maybe, maybe it's, that's, uh, maybe it's now the end of the week for us. So. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so uh, it's, but, it's just kind of shifting around a little bit, but it still makes sense because, uh, it doesn't feel like we haven't missed an episode of anything. So yeah, this is true. Uh, Supergirl season four, episode one, uh, debuts with the title American Ale. So we'll, uh, we'll be talking about that next week along with the flash. Titans is on hold, uh, as we mentioned earlier until, uh, the season wraps and we'll be covering that in chunks, uh, while the other shows are on their, most likely on their winter breaks, we'll be talking about Titans. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll do like I said, as we mentioned, uh, maybe a little tiny updates here and there uh, when big big things happen. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be following along as it happens. Yeah, so. exa- exactly. Um, all right, so there is some news in the world of DC, so let's get into that. Okay, uh, so uh, something small. We'll start with the film side and then work our way into the Arrowverse. But we'll start off here with uh, director Eva DuVernay uh, basically did come out on Twitter and kind of said uh, just a quick post that said there came a time when the old gods died. And then it was just kind of a little a bit underneath this. Just a reminder, a new gods film is definitely coming from this director. So uh, but it was basically just a little mental reminder because i even forgot we're getting a, a new gods movie so about the jack kirby universe so uh but the big 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 thing that happened this week <laughs> how big was, is it rob uh big 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 <laughs> so um <laughs> so is uh dc has officially confirmed that James Gunn is officially writing Suicide Squad 2. They did announce as well that uh, there is no deal currently in place yet to have him direct, but there are in talks already to have him helm the director's chair in addition to writing the story. So super, super excited to see him tackle the second part of yeah. uh, Suicide Squad. I would, I, would, I would say that's big, 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 big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so... Again, we're we're looking to see, uh, you know, how this goes. I really do help he, uh, hope that he is going to be uh, the one directing as well. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll find out a little bit more soon. But we we have already seen a couple of people jump up in big support of this. None other than not a shock to anybody. Nope. Dave Batista <laughs> yep. was the first one to say, "Hey, let me let me aboard this project. What role do you want me in?" And everybody immediately was like, "Please have him play Bane." <laughs> Everybody wants to see him play Bane so much. 
because he would be perfect, uh, especially the Gail Simone Secret Six version of Bane um, that we see, which is very intelligent and very, very, very smart, but still um, nice little sense of humor there, too. So uh, you can see a beautiful blend of some of the projects Batista has worked on in the past, in addition to his role as Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 officially on hold uh, and his filming already done for uh, films like, uh, you know, Avengers 4. Uh, there, there's no possible. There is a possibility, but there's no confirmation that even the characters from Guardians will have their own film again, uh, at least anytime soon. Yeah. So uh, there's no reason that he couldn't jump ship and uh, head over to play a new character in uh, Suicide Squad. So no, but there. I'm, I don't know if you have it in your news or not. It might be the next story you're ready to talk about. But there is somebody else who yes, stepped up. That is that is my next story, and that is none other than Michael Rosenbaum. The star of Smallville, who previously portrayed Lex Luthor, once in on Suicide Squad 2. And I want him uh, in. Uh, God, could you imagine if we got to see him as Lex Luthor <laughs> Dude, on the big screen? That would be fantastic. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it was, just, again, the re- reports to say, Batista, where do I sign up? And then it's just Rosenbaum right after it. It said, sign me up, too. Yep. Uh, God, that would <laughs> that would be so cool. Dude, I don't. It, he doesn't even have to be Luther. Just him being a member of the DC universe again, it would, would be awesome it. enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but again, now let's kind of slow things down a little bit because now we're going to roll into the DC streaming service and a couple other things happening on the world of television. Uh, starting with the DC universe uh, streaming app, uh, Harley Quinn's animated series uh, adds actor Raul Coley as Doctor Jonathan Crane, aka the Scarecrow. Uh, he plays Ravi Shakambardi from iZombie and is an amazingly wonderful actor. We also previously saw him in Supergirl. Uh, he did play a villain there as well. I can't remember his character. He was the one that was uh basically somebody that was dead but became uh, a, a body of nanobots yeah uh, i remember so that too i think it was back from season episode. one right uh i want to say i think it was season two uh that we saw him portray that character so uh so but really cool to see him joining the cast man this cast of harley quinn's animated you know uh you know the animated projects voice acting crew is just getting cooler and cooler and cooler yeah. so i'm really really happy to see raw coley join this uh this project so all right. Uh, well, CBS is uh, giving us an extra headache. Well, they add potentially a new series in development, Secret Six, as I actually just mentioned a few moments ago. Uh, Secret Six is a show that actually stars pretty much a good, interesting group of Silver Age B to well, not B, C to D list villains. Uh, as they kind of uh, just deal with um, just kind of functioning on their own and kind of being guns for hire. Uh, some of the most known people that have been part of the Doom Patrol, or, or not Doom Patrol, but uh, the Secret Six, were people like Catman, um, a ragdoll who we will be seeing on Flash this year, uh, and then uh, people like Bane as well. So uh, there's a lot of Deadshot being another one of those members, so a ton and ton of interesting characters. Uh, Cheshire, the Fiddler, uh, and Vandal Savage's daughter Scandal was in there as well. Uh, so there's always been a really interesting mix of people that have been in there. So it's a little bit of a Suicide Squad mixture. Uh, but also being a little bit of its own Catman being a wonderful character, Bane being a huge, wonderful character in that show as well. So very much looking forward to seeing if this uh, does come to pass. Yeah. So, but definitely in the world, uh, I don't know uh, quite the full details. They haven't said too, too much. We don't know anything about uh, if this is going to be a Berlanti show. All we know right now is that I think right now it's Bill Lawrence and Jeff Ingold uh, are the ones looking at doing this. And they worked on uh, USA series suits. They also worked on scrubs. So uh, very two, curious to see two shows that I love. So 
Uh, so very curious to see where this could go. Uh, if you want a little bit of more backstory on who the Secret Six are, I highly recommend going back to the Villains United series uh, and uh, Infinite back to Infinite Crisis, where you first see the Secret Six kind of form up. Uh, and then again, uh, there's a couple great trades out there you can read of Gail Simone's original run on Secret Six, which was a phenomenal book. So. Uh, we also saw last week, just after we recorded last week, and I did say, hey, guys, we now know the series uh, title is going to be Elseworlds for the crossover. And I said, I guarantee we are going to see shots of Ruby Rose <laughs> as Batwoman any day now. And sure enough, on Monday, first thing in the morning, uh, we sh- shared a image of our very first look at Ruby Rose dressed up as none other than Kate Kane. Uh, a great, great still shot. The costume looks fantastic and wonderful. I love we also get Wayne Enterprises directly behind her. And that Wayne Enterprises logo comes right out of the Christopher Nolan films, which is super cool. So a uh, nice little nod there as well as we see Gotham for the very first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Heading over to Arrow. Uh, Kirk, uh, I can never say his last name. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Acovado, I think it is, if I if I said it right has been promoted to a series regular in season, season seven. We know he's playing Ricardo Diaz, a.k.a. Richard Dragon, so that we already knew we were going to see plenty of him. But again, uh, not season regular, series regular in season seven. So uh, so we'll be definitely seeing a lot more of him very, very soon when Arrow premieres in just a few weeks. All right. Uh, jumping into some more crossover stuff, we did see Steve Demel teasing a mystery member in a little video uh, where he goes through all of the chairs of all the members. So we see uh, co-star chairs for Emily Bett Rickards. We see it for David Ramsey, Grant Gustin, Carlos Valdez, Danielle Panabaker, Melissa Benoist. And then we see him duck down to dodge out of another chair. That's a supposed secret. So we will find out very, very soon who that's going to be. We already know Tyler Hawkins going to be joining us in this mix, as is Elizabeth Tullock, as obviously Clark and Lois. Uh, Dr. John Degnan uh, is uh, going to be played by Jeremy Davis. The monitor is by uh, LaMonica Garrett. And Nora Freeze is Cassandra Jean Amell. So... We have a lot, a lot to uh, be excited about. So more and more to come soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Stephen Mel did have a couple of videos recently, too, where he brought up a few small things. Uh, he did mention uh, we did announce last week that the beard has been shaven off. We did find out officially episode seven is when the beard goes bye bye. Uh, so we know officially. So maybe our our thoughts of uh, six episodes in jail is right on the money. Uh, so I think we said between four to six, so that's a high yeah, chance. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think you said four to five, and I said five to six. Yeah, so I think yeah, we four were we were right we were right in that mix. Yeah, so, man. uh, so I think we're we good it, at so. this. Yeah, we are. It's like <laughs> this is our job or something. I know. <laughs> You'd think we do this every week. Ah, God, I could never do this every week. <laughs> we do this every week. What are you talking I, about? Bob's being silly. <laughs> all right, all right. Like, all right. So another question was proposed during a Q&A uh, to Mr. Stephen Amell, and somebody asked him if we'll ever see Batman or Green Arrow join the Arrowverse, and he said, I would never say never. Uh, and that's all he said. But I figured I'd still bring it up anyway. It's kind of a non-news story story. But and I, and sure. I think that's the safe answer. Yeah. You know, is don't disappoint fans by saying no, but don't get their excitement, their their hopes up too high by saying yes. But in the same conversation, uh, Stephen did say this as well. Uh, the crossover, and I apologize for my language, is fucking bananas. It's crazy. I think it's going to be the best crossover event that we that we do, and not uh, just the best by uh, 
but the best by a really, really, really wide margin. I think that last year was fantastic. Crisis on Earth X. I think that's what it was called. I think that was pretty crazy getting to play doppelgangers. That was insane. When Grant Berlanti first talked to me about what he wanted to do with crossovers, it was because it was for the fans so that people can watch these characters in scenarios that combine their favorite things on TV or introduce them to new things on TV. But you also get the license to do things that we could just never do in a vacuum, especially on Arrow. Uh, things that we could never do in a vacuum of our shows. Um, so pretty much he said, went on to continue to say, I know that we have some crossover surprises, some, th- some things that are going to hit the media. It was suppo- uh, supposed uh, ah, supposed later during this week, but now I think it's going to be early next week. Uh, this was, I guess, in regards to things such as, uh, I think, the Batwoman reveal and the images. I had the coolest day yesterday on set because I was very, very happy and excited for David Ramsey. And on the other hand, I saw something with my own two eyes standing right in front of me that I just never thought I'd see. Hmm. So That's interesting. So who knows? And again, uh, I just love the fact that he was very excited for David Ramsey. So I wonder what that means. New Spartan helmet. (laughs) Oh, God. I want that to be a Green Lantern ring so bad. I know. So do I. (laughs) Oh, God. That would be so awesome. (laughs) But uh, also, I think there was another little funny thing, too, that Grant Custom posted on Twitter. And he was just like, why? I was like, why did this have to happen on the first day? And then uh, because it was David Ramsey retweeting or messaging that. And, um, it, you know, it was turned out that the first day of filming, Grant Gustin got horribly sick. Oh, uh, so that's a shame. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but I think, uh, David Ramsey was laughing at him because I guess it happened before. So, <laughs> so, uh, all right. But that wraps it up for the news. So recommendations, let's get the hell out of here. Cause man, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. So well, I mean, a lot to talk about this week. We and, did. We and had a lot to talk about. I want to relax. It's my birthday. Uh, yeah. So. I, and I want you to be able to relax because I want to relax as well. So, uh, my recommendation has changed in the process of talking about this. And my recommendation for this week is if you haven't already read Crisis on Infinite Earths, because it looks like there might be a possibility we're going to see it happen on screen. And I can't be more excited. I hope I'm not getting excited for nothing. Uh, my, uh, recommendation has nothing to do with TV, movies, or anything of the like, and it's something I did last night. Oh, uh, yes! Yes! So we got to enjoy playing a board game together, uh, something that, uh, my wife was, uh, got me for my, my birthday, and, uh, I got to, and we got to enjoy this, there were seven of us around the table, uh, Ben was there included in this, and it's a little game called Choose Your Own Adventure, The House of Danger. Um, this was a really interesting game to play. Because it was kind of it's kind of thin on its mechanics, but it makes for a really interesting social thing. Uh, I think it took us about maybe two hours to to run through the game, give or take about the length of a movie. Um, and you're essentially reading through the original House of Danger book, which none of us at the table remembered, which was great. Yeah. Uh, and you got to make choices and you, we put the choices at the table up to a vote on what we were going to do. Uh, and the game is broken into five chapters. Uh, so you go through cha- each chapter um, piece by piece and you have an individual goal chapter by chapter. You also have clues and other things that you can find that help can change uh, the way certain things will unfold, uh, you know, the way the events will unfold as the story is kind of progressing. And it went into some of the most ridiculous places ever. And uh, <laughs> we were at a table in stitches, but also really having a hard time making some decisions. But it was just amazing to remember how much fun Choose Your Own Adventure really was when we were growing up. So I will say this. it's a, If you're a gamer out there, 
whether you have a family or if you have a group of friends, I highly, highly recommend picking this game up just to enjoy just doing something a little bit different. Uh, the game does have a finite amount of replayability because once you do go through the scenario and find everything you want to do, um, there's not going to be much left uh, of the game. But the way we played it at the end of the chapter, they give you options to go back and do things you didn't do. And we never did because we wanted it to be an interesting experience every time we played through. So, yeah, uh, there's, and I, there's some replayability for us, too. There absolutely is replayability. We know how the story can potentially end, uh, but there there are good endings and bad endings and multiple different things. So, but I think it's the, the, the journey there is the interesting part. Oh, God, it was and, so uh, much fun. And it was one of the funniest things uh, we've done in a long time. So I highly recommend picking the game up. I think it's like about maybe 25 bucks. Uh, super fun. And I think you're going to be doing a whole series of these games. They, count, you know, they came out from Z-Man games. So you can get it on Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Cool Stuff Inc., which is one of my favorite shops for board games. It's really good pricing there. Uh, not making money from them. I, I generally, if you want to save a couple bucks and you're a board gamer, it's a great place to do it. Uh, miniature markets, another good, awesome spot as well too. So, uh, but plenty of awesome, like wonderful places where you can pick up some of this stuff, but highly, highly recommend choose your own adventure. The house of danger. Nice. Yeah. That was so much fun. Uh, cheap plugs. And then we will get out of here. Uh, as always, you can catch this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the next level podcast network, next level radio online.com, facebook.com slash next level radio online. And of course, there's the Facebook page for this, pa- this, uh, podcast, facebook.com slash, uh, DC primetime. And just a quick plug to my other podcast, the spotlight, uh, which is going in full force right now. Uh, I've got a number of interviews that I've just done in the past two weeks from cast members from the TV show Manifest, New Amsterdam, uh, Brad Sherwood from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, some great interviews still upcoming. I'm working on people from other shows, including the DC shows, which will not only be on the spotlight, but also on this podcast as well, if and when they happen. Uh, so go back and check out the, those interviews in the spotlight as well. Awesome. And as for me, you can always find me at the Captain Crew Cast of Pods, also Next Level Podcast Network. Tomorrow night, we are recording our Halloween episode, and I believe we're going to be talking specifically about non-horror Halloween films and TV shows and specials. So um, it might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, I'm looking forward to to diving in. Yeah, we always uh, we always try to do something fun for for this time of year. So. And I will be there and a part of that one as well. Mm-hmm. It's a busy night. This, yeah. this is a busy week for me podcasting, man. I had, I did interviews last week on like I did an interview on, on Wednesday. I did an interview on Friday. I recorded this today. I'm recording with you tomorrow. Tuesday, we're recording our next episode of the Lost Podcast. I might even have some more interviews during the week. It's a busy week. Yeah. Well, like I said, also a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com who provides us with the tunes you hear in the show each and every week. Um, but I, that's it for me. Yeah. That's going to be it for me, too. So next week, make sure you join us again. We're going to be talking about The Flash Episode 2, the Supergirl season premiere of Season 4. And that's about going to do it for this week. So uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this audience and being a part of the Primer family. But until next time, we'll see you guys around the band. Take care. Peace. Peace.